I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. All right. How you doing? Good. That's good. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> busy, busy. We're getting closer to Laracon AU. Yeah. Yep. Very close. Will this be released by the time we are at Laracon or not? This will be the week of, and then we'll have a few more after this. Very exciting. Exciting that you're coming all the way to Australia. It's going to be a hell of a long trip. Have you ever been on like a flight that long? Not that long. I think LA to Sydney is like 13 and a half hours, maybe. Okay. So all up, I think you're like 23, right? 23 hours? Like total travel time, like in air is like 23 hours because I got to go to Atlanta and then Atlanta to LA, which is like six. I think the flight to Atlanta is like an hour and a half. And, you know, there's some change there. So if you add it all up, like, yeah, it's probably about 20 hours in the air. But then you got layovers in Atlanta, layover in LAX, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to take a lot to do. When I came to New York, I thought I was going to get so much done on the plane. I brought my laptop, everything. But as soon as I got on there, I just was like, I don't know, I, I couldn't code. I just, I just watched movies. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a progression of like coding, movies, nap, repeat. Yeah. Super tangent unrelated to testing. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about testing then. Yeah. Let's talk about mocking. Okay. So we should talk about what is mocking for anyone that doesn't really understand what it is, what it means. It's one of these weird terms that's maybe intimidating to newcomers. Yeah. I always go back and we'll link it in the show notes, but I always go back to Martin Fowler's test double uh, post. And I think that's probably, to be fair, a little bit more of like a academic or like a technical definition. But I think it moves away, like everybody just kind of says mocking for short, like mock it for shorthand, but like they end up meaning like 17 different things. So if we get it kind of back to like the academic technical definitions, like, or when we're talking about mocks, we're, we're really talking about a broader category of like test doubles and test doubles being something you use in your tests to stand in for real pieces of code within your system other objects for example yeah and i guess the the main reason being so that you can test part of your code without having to necessarily test all this other stuff or at least have the code executed everywhere else exactly yeah because we're able to kind of use this test double now we can control even more bits of the system and to your point make it easier to test especially when we get into like high-level tests or low-level tests, or let's just say integration tests versus unit tests, the whole point of a unit test is to test something in isolation. Well, if you interact with other bits of code, how do we isolate that? Well, we can do things like that with a test double. Yeah. Or even an integration test, like, yeah, we want to submit the order form, but we don't actually want to charge your credit card. So you would still use maybe a test double for like the payment object or the payment gateway or whatever. Yeah, so I guess there's there's a few reasons to mock then. There's obviously making sure you don't have real-world consequences to your tests running. When you get down to unit tests, it can be about just speed sometimes. You don't want to make those API requests. Even if they don't have any side effects, you may still not want to run a GET request in your unit tests. Then the other thing would be being able to control scenarios. So being able to say, I want to see what happens when this bit of code does this thing and then test what happens when it does this other thing. So there's those three main reasons to mock that come to mind for me. 
Yeah. Okay, so sticking with maybe this definition. So again, Martin Fowler's post references Gerard Mazaros, I think. He references him in this post and one of his uh, books that he was working on at the time for X-Unit. And he comes up with five different test doubles. So I'm just going to name these to kind of spark additional conversation. Okay. And then I'll talk about caveats to these here in a second. But the five are dummy, fake, stubs, spies, and mocks. Okay. Yep. So these are kind of the five test doubles. And I'll go through the definitions just kind of like real quickly and then we can kind of talk about them. Okay. Dummy objects are things that are passed around, but maybe they're never used. So it's just like a true stand-in. Okay. Honestly, the most simple dummy object is null. If you can just pass null to something when you're testing and it all works, that's an example of like a dummy object. Okay. So they can just be real simple, no interactions, not even the real thing. If you don't have type hints, you could pass in like an empty array or an empty standard class in like PHP or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. empty hash or something in, in JavaScript. And like if it works, it works, right? Okay, so what would the benefit be of passing in null, for example, as a stand-in for something? That's a good question. My quick answer is probably if you don't have to reach for a more advanced test double or a test double at all, and you can use some kind of dummy value, let's call it, Okay. do that yep. for sure. Because, you know, mocking in general, it adds complexity to your test. Yeah. So, like, if you can use something simpler but not the real thing, so, like, again, a dummy value or some fake object that you've set up yourself for testing purposes, do that. Okay. And so that brings us maybe to the next definition of fake, which by the post definition are fake objects actually have working implementations, but they usually take some kind of shortcut that makes them not suitable for production code. So, like, an in-memory database or an array cache you know, something, it's not real code, but it actually has some implementation to it. So maybe methods and so forth can be called on it. Okay. All right. So the next one are stubs and stubs provide canned answers to calls made during tests, usually not responding to anything outside of what's programmed for the test. Okay. But those methods won't, you know, won't actually fire any real things. It might just be literally returned true inside it and that's all it does. Yeah, exactly. So those are stubs. Then there's spies, and spies are stubs that also record information based on how they are called. Yeah. And then finally, we have mocks, which are pre-programmed with expectations that form a specification of the calls they receive, and they throw an exception if they receive a call they don't expect. Yeah. So these are the technical definitions of the five different test doubles, and so... We've talked about how a dummy object is, is just truly some kind of stand-in dummy value. If you can get away with sending an empty array or a generic class or a hash or a dictionary or whatever, or just null, that's an example of like a dummy. A fake is maybe something you've written as a test object, as a test representation of your same object, but it's allowed to be injected. So... I think of a fake as probably not being used very commonly, but let's say you have a strongly typed code base. A dummy's probably not going to work, right? Yeah, because it's not going to implement the interface. Exactly. Uh, or maybe your code's doing something with that object, so you can't just send 
a dummy value in anymore. Now you have to send in something that potentially does something. So I've seen in very extreme cases uh, or cases where maybe testing frameworks weren't as good or mocking libraries weren't as good that for their code base, people actually write copies of their objects and it's like a fake version of it. So it's a real object, but it was copied for the purposes of testing. So they literally copy the entire like class and then they just empty out all the methods so that they don't do anything. They kind of return void. Potentially, yeah. Okay. Which is funny because I think sometimes when you do that, I think you'll hear people call that a stub. Yeah. Or something. Or they start to say like the methods or, or more accurately, probably what they're saying are the methods are stubbed. Yeah. Right? So it's they know it's not a real object because they've stubbed the methods, I think is what you'll hear. Yeah. And so that brings us to the third one, which are stubs provide canned answers to calls made during tests, usually not responding to anything outside of what's programmed. Yeah. So I think by Fowler's definition here, stubs are basically mocks, but they're a little more forgiving, as in they don't throw exceptions when maybe you call something outside of what's been pre-programmed. Okay. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So it has what a stub has in that if you call random stuff on it, it's not going to explode or anything. But in this case, you'll be able to say maybe for this one method, return true. But for everything else, if anything else gets called, just accept it and don't do anything with it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So spies are stubs, but they record what was called. So you can perform, you know, assertions on it later, right? After the fact, yeah. Okay, so spies are stubs. Uh, and then finally, we have this this last kind of type of test doubles, which are mocks. They're pre-programmed with responses or expectations for calls that are expected to be received. And then they'll throw an exception if they receive a call that they didn't expect. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing that makes it complicated. The last three are used interchangeably. Yeah. Depending on what framework or testing library you might be using. Yeah. So for example, PHP, mockery specifically, only differentiates between mocks and spies. There's no concept of the other three yeah. terms that we've been talking about within that language. And this is why I am really familiar with mocks and spies and the others I'm kind of a bit, yeah, murky on. Yeah. And so the difference inside of mockery, for example, is mocks, they fit this definition well. They're pre-programmed expectations, and they'll throw an exception if you don't set up an expectation for something and it's called during your test. Yeah. Whereas a spy is more forgiving. It will return things for whatever you told it to return, but anything else, it's probably just going to return null, for example. Yeah. But it'll record that interaction so you can make assertions on it later. Yeah. One of the things I kind of like about that, and it's a bit of a tangent, but often in testing you hear about arrange, act, assert. So first you arrange the world, you set up all the things you need for your test to run, then you act, so you actually run the code, and then you run your assertions at the end to say, did it do what I expected? And I find with mocks, you often actually kind of need to do your asserting beforehand, but as expectations. So you need to say, I expect this to happen. Yeah. And it throws a bit of a, a spanner in the whole arrange, act, assert structure of the code. So sometimes I like spies purely for the, the ability to actually, after the fact, assert, was this called? 
For sure. But hold on a second. What'd you say? Spanner in the hole? Did I say spanner? I meant spanner in the works. <laughs> Either way, what is what is is that an Australian idiom? What is that? You haven't heard spanner in the works? Spanner in the works. I don't even know what a spanner is. A spanner. A spanner is a what would you call a spanner? It's not really a shifter. Maybe it is a shifter. Is this like a, a wrench? A wrench. Yeah, a wrench. Spanner is a wrench. Yeah, there you go. Oh, okay, okay. So I've heard throws a wrench in the works. Okay. Yeah, okay. Spanner in the works, wrench in the works. There we go. That's, okay, so you guys call it a wrench spanner. Okay, cool. Yes. Cool. All yeah. right. All right, sorry. What you were saying, just to recap. Yep. So I was just talking about how you've got the arrange act assert and how a spy lets you do your assertion afterwards, whereas a mock, you kind of need to do it beforehand. Yeah, I think I definitely agree that it feels a little weird, but I guess when I'm using mocks in that capacity, I do consider it part of the arrangement. Like I'm I'm arranging or I'm setting up that mock a certain way. Yeah. Now, I'm totally in agreement with you when you have a test that it's kind of all set up, it's all the arrange, and then it's the act, and then there's like no assertions because the assertions are built into the mock's behavior, right? Yeah. Like, especially for void methods, if you want to determine if they perform their action correctly, a lot of the times the only way to do that is with using test doubles and then mocks specifically and asserting that it did actions with other things, right? It talked to other parts of your code. Yeah. But then there's no assertions. Yeah. I think out of the box with mockery as well, with PHP unit, it doesn't count those expectations towards your assertion count. So you might actually have one test run, but zero assertions made, even though you've technically done it. But there is an option with mockery, though. You can actually make it count those towards your total assertions. Yeah, I actually tweeted that trade out the other week because I ran into that as well. It's not just part of the teardown. Like there's actually some additional stuff going on. But I think with version one, they included a trait that you can throw on your classes yeah. and, it, and it counts those appropriately. Yeah. So we'll link that in the show notes as well if you're using mockery and have, have stumbled upon that. Yeah. But anyways, going back to kind of mocks versus spies and just kind of talking about them a bit more. I think a lot of languages really just differentiate between mocks and spies. The other few are, are either just kind of implied or there, there's no formality around them. Like I think it's pretty rare, at least in the languages that I've used, to see things like fake or dummy now i have seen testing libraries use the word double they'll just say double and you pass it some class interface and it makes a test double so i think it's important to know that when we're saying double it's just kind of generic yeah it's normally they're probably doing a mock or a spy or something very loose but the point is that test double is really just remember like a stand-in you know i like to think of like the people analogies so like a test double is like a stunt double in like a movie yeah You got an important actor, like a production actor, and they they don't want to do that fire jump, you know? So get your double in there. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. I think you've forever changed the way that I think about test doubles now. Whenever I see it, I'm going to think of some stuntman. (laughs) Well, in a a way, even these uh, names, even if they're a little bit, I guess, insulting, like you can apply them to people too, like a a dummy, you know? Like if you ask a dummy a question, I don't know. (laughs) so if you pass in like a dummy value yep your code just doesn't care like who cares yeah a stub i don't know how that relates to people i'd 
probably yeah, don't want to go there. Yeah, we probably um, probably ought to stop with it. But a spy, for example, like it listens in on your calls. A spy for sure. Taps your phones. It's yeah, recording it, notes. It's always watching. Yeah, and then it comes back to base and you can inquire against it. <laughs> exactly. It gives you a report at the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Of their uh, surveillance. Yeah. And then mocks... Uh, just like a mime, right? Like if you start doing behavior, like a little mime, a little clown mime is just going to mimic your behavior and, and pretend to do the same things. And get really angry if you do something wrong. <laughs> and throw an exception. <laughs> yeah, throw an exception. It's going to throw an exception. <laughs> so. Okay. So yeah, so so fun little analogy there. Uh, let's talk about how to use them or maybe more specifically, I think what I want to talk about is how not to abuse mocks or test doubles. Yeah, two great things actually there. So in terms of how to use them, I think we talked in an earlier episode about one of the ways you can recognize code that's hard to test being when you see a new instance of an object being newed up directly in the code. So you'll see dollar user equals new user. And when you see that, you can't, at least in the languages I'm familiar with, you can't actually mock that. You can't kind of intercept that new request and substitute in your double in those scenarios. So that's where things like dependency injection come in because they allow your production code to provide the real instance to that code, but your test can provide the double in, in its place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you kind of need your code set up in the right way to actually be able to take advantage of a lot of mocks. Yeah, so I think... A lot of times when you hear people talk about code being testable, that's often what they're looking for is like a way to have these little hooks to insert the test double, right? Yeah. And if you have like really, really long methods, thousands and thousands of lines doing all sorts of different bits of logic or having all sorts of responsibilities, these kind of God objects, if you will, like yeah. your only option at that point is going to be to do a full-on integration test. And you better hope like your services and stuff have test modes because otherwise you're charging real credit cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I think I think that's important to even be able to use test doubles is to, to have code that's testable. And you know by that, we mean things like a way to inject it as a method parameter or a way to inject it into the container yeah. or a way to inject it into the class constructor. So like you can give it these doubles and then set them up to do the things you expect. Yeah. And sometimes things like, yeah, dependency injection and service containers can sound like these really complicated things. But at the end of the day, it is just like you say, passing in a parameter to a method. It's just providing a way for that to happen kind of automatically whether it's to the constructor or into the into the method itself, it's just having a way to pass an argument in. It's as simple as that. There's a, another technique too that I reference a lot. And again, it's from JB Rainsberger's same video I think we talked about before that whole integration tests or scam, which is like a catchy title. But, you know, he talks about so many different things in there. He really just talks about testing a lot. But one of the things he mentions and I'll try to link to the exact spot of the video in the show notes, but like he talks about pushing code to the boundary. And so like if you have some code that is proving to be difficult to test and you want to inject a double, right? Or you want to be able to do some of these things like inject that dependency so you can have a double and all these other things. What he'll do is he'll take that code that requires that integration style of a test like the call to a third party to actually be made so the ready example is like a payment gateway yeah so like instead of 
actually calling, let's say, Stripe right there in line in your controller, you can wrap that code up into a payment gateway service or a Stripe service and push it to another object that can now be injected. Yeah. And so now that that's injected, now I have a test double. So when I want to test my controller, I can just say, okay, you called the payment gateway charge method with the correct you know, totals and, and email address and all that kind of stuff. And then you've now pushed that integration code that would have required so many other integration tests. And you can just write one integration test now yeah. just for that payment gateway. Yeah, totally. I think it's important to remember with, with mocks that often with most frameworks, you can pass in the class you want to mock and it will automatically create the mock for you as well. So you don't need to necessarily create like your real implementation and also create your fake implementation of, of the payment service, for example. You yeah. can say just create a mocked version of this real thing and it will go, oh, okay, it's got all these methods. I'll create all those methods on the mock version. But instead of them actually executing code, they, they do what they do. Absolutely. You know what's funny, though? Uh, just listening to you there, you said you don't have to actually create a fake implementation. So you said the word fake on your own. Yeah, you're right. Which was the definition of having a fake test object with an actual working implementation. Yeah, But okay. it's not production yep. ready. There you go. So see, I think these terms are, again, they, they seem very academic or very technical. Yep. But if you if you get familiar with testing, and you'll naturally use these terms. Absolutely. I think. So they actually do have good names. Yeah. I do think it's important to not get too hung up on the specific types of test doubles in the same way that getting hung up on the specific types of tests can also send you down this purest rabbit hole. I think it's important to know, but the main thing being use what you need to use to get done what you need to get done. Absolutely. Totally agree. Again, I'm not trying to play uh, test double bingo here by making sure you use each one of these. Yeah. Uh, my only point there was, I think the terminology does start to make sense though, if, if you kind of start to pay attention to how you talk about testing things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to know your tools, know what's available and know what the right tool for the job is. If you don't have to spend all this time creating a full on mock and you can just use a dummy, then awesome. Yeah. And I, again, most of the testing libraries I've used, you know, RSpec, Jasmine, PHP unit, Laravel's testing framework, all of these things, there's normally the concept of a stub, a spy or a mock inside of there. Or there's very yeah. generic terms like double or allow these types of wording that, that just kind of are very expressive anyways. So yeah, definitely don't worry too much like these exact terms. These are just some ideas to kind of give you the full picture. Yeah. And the last thing we uh, wanted to touch on was how not to use them. Yeah, exactly. So to the point of like not trying to use all these in your tests, like I would go so far as to say, if you're writing a test that has several test doubles or you know several mocks, for example, you're probably doing more than you need to do. There's something I would say wrong on one side of the equation. So either your code is doing a lot, and I would argue that it's maybe not as testable as it could be. Maybe it could be broken up a bit more. Maybe it's doing too many things. Or the way in which you're testing, you're probably overusing mocks to the point where you're not really getting a lot of value out of that test. Yeah. I think some people, especially uh, in our community, have called that things like spell checking, 
like you're just kind of testing that the code is written this precise line by line way and it calls these methods like a recipe you're not really giving your code a lot of flexibility and and the reason this can be a problem is when you do want to refactor which is part of tests right now that you're armed with a test hopefully you're going to be refactoring more you're going to be cleaning up your code as you go along well if you kind of have this line by line checking happening yeah you're not going to get a lot of flexibility to later refactor your code because your test's going to break now and ideally ideally your test doesn't break when you do simple refactors now i say that with some emphasis simple refactors because yeah i'm not necessarily of the belief that your test should like never ever ever break like absolutely obviously if you're doing some very deep stuff with your code and moving responsibilities around certain types of tests those that are maybe more unit style or low level in nature probably should break yeah at the end of the day a test is about passing in some input and checking whether the output is expected and mocks let you inject things into that process and they they deal with the internals of it as opposed to the output so they're really useful for you know preventing external api calls but i totally agree about the being overused i've definitely overused them especially when trying to achieve this like unit test purity where my unit tests never touch the database i used way too many mocks and created just yeah kind of a, a horrible situation and at the end of the day when i was like oh just let it hit the database it's a test database anyway like it can be escalated memory or whatever it might be it became much easier to write much easier to deal with and the speed benefits gained from using the mocks instead of using the database was so minute that it didn't really make a difference whereas hitting out to an external api yes definitely worth it there but yeah it's kind of a balance absolutely yeah and i don't necessarily believe in hard rules but yeah if you're spending a lot of time setting up these mocks expectations you know for how the code should run multiple times i would definitely take a step back and and kind of question am I testing this the right way? Or maybe is this code, you know, doing a lot of different things um, where it could be broken down a bit better. So uh, one last thing I'll say about that, I guess, and, and maybe related in a way to combat if you have a lot of mocks is, yeah, start to go down, again, kind of this hierarchy of these test doubles to see, oh, is it possible to maybe use something simpler? So in your example, like you were saying, you were mocking like your your kind of ORM layer, which could just be crazy, right? Like you're going to be mocking all sorts of things. Um, But if you just had a quote unquote fake database, like, well, now you've lightened the load a bunch because now you're not doing all these expectations and all these things. You can just kind of have some dummy data or some fake data uh, somewhere out there and allow your code to just kind of like behave as normally. Yeah, totally. The other thing I wanted to say is to learn from others. Have a look at other code bases that are tested by people that you look up to and respect and see how they do their testing because there's so much open source code out there that is tested and you can literally look at it and go, oh, they've only actually used you know one mock for this scenario and all these other cases they're doing this. And generally, if you can read and understand the test that they've written without having all of the context, that's exactly what you want because another benefit of tests is they should often read like documentation and that you can see how particular thing is used from the outside so yeah i'm always looking at other people's tests and seeing how they do things and improving my work from that no that's a that's a really good one and even just kind of similar to that point just kind of piggybacking off of it like if you're evaluating like what library to use or service to use like 
see if they have tests. If they have tests, maybe you can feel more confident about choosing that library, right? Because now you can be like, oh, well, this stuff's tested too. So I know it's got to have some kind of quality, right? Yeah. I try and do a little bit of open source contributions where I can. And I feel a lot safer contributing to someone else's code base when they've got tests. And when I can add in a test for my thing to also show them, hey, look, it works. It's okay. I think it's win-win all around. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we covered that pretty well. Hopefully it gives you some ideas on kind of what all that means. Hopefully, yeah. And at the end, I totally agree. I think the big takeaway from this whole mini series is don't worry so much about these details. It's it's valuable simply for the fact that you're testing. Let some of these terms and strategies come over time. What's more important initially is just your desire and your ability to kind of just write a test. Don't worry about its type or if it mocks or mocks too much. You'll learn. Yeah. A slow test is better than no test just because it's doing something that you couldn't mock. Sure, exactly. Or vice versa. If you have a test that's mocking several things and some might call it spell checking, it's still making sure your code worked that very particular way. So that's okay for now. Yeah. And I think oftentimes you need to learn things sometimes by experience. We could tell you all day, don't do this. But until you've actually experienced it for yourself and experienced the pain yourself, you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. And that's part of learning, right? It's making mistakes. Yeah, so agree. So agree with that. Like, I just, I'm just not a big proponent of trying to like tell people what to do. Some people get kind of angry when they tell you something and you kind of don't follow it like exactly, especially in our industry where we're real technical and precise. Yeah. And I can be that way too, but... I try not to just be like, well, this is the way you should do it, period. Yeah. Like, Because, yeah, pain's the biggest motivator. You got to kind of feel the pain to, to have the growth and the experience. So. Absolutely. Right on. Okay, well, next time, I think we're going to talk about testing different things, like what we test and what we don't test and stuff like that. Okay. So it'll be a quick episode since we'll be busy with LayerCon AU. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, we'll, we'll do that next time. All right. And for anyone that's listening to this on the way to LayerCon AU – Come and see us. We'll both be there. We hope to see you and, and hear what you think about our show. Absolutely. Yeah. Come say hi. Teach me more um, Australian lingo or whatever. All right, mate. <laughs> All right. See ya. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 14.